Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Hi, yeah, as, uh, as Hannah said, I'm Stuart uh, and I work here at the ODI in the labs team. I'm here to talk to you about building a 21st century star chart using a Raspberry Pi and Amazon Dash button. I will tell the story and, uh, and it will become clear. So this is, uh, this is my son, Gwillem. He's six, he's into superheroes, Star Wars and video games, so basically he's a carbon copy of me. Um, uh, he goes to, he's in year one at, uh, at this, this lovely uh, primary school, uh, Little Aston Primary School. At his school they have a system of behaviour and reward points. Um, and you get, they get achievement points for good work and they get behaviour points if, they've, uh, if, they've, if they're naughty. And <clears throat> they don't talk about it as getting behaviour points, they talk about taking away achievement points. So basically your total amount of achievement points is your achievement, is your achievement points minus your behaviour points. And this is all logged on a terrible capita system with a lovely stock photo of a, of a child enjoying a laptop with a, with a parent there. So you, you, you log into this, it's, um, it's actually hosted at the school behind a, re behind a firewall, so it's really slow. So you log into that, you hunt around for the right link to the, uh, to the dashboard, the, the My Children dashboard, and then uh, you access the, children, the, the dashboard, and it tells you the amount of points, and tells you if anything's happened. So here he's got um, a behaviour incident for, for singing and humming and rolling around on the carpet. So as you can see, he's a bit of a challenge. But I, I did think, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to do this? At the end of every school day, I have to log on to a horrible capitalist system and... and and lose the will to live, I thought, I, I know, I can solve this problem with code. So I built a screen scraper that takes the behavior and reward points and stores them. Um, so, that, so yeah, the, uh, the link to the, uh, the screen, screen scraper is there. It's all built in Ruby and uh, it, gets, it does all the, all the grunt work that, that I don't want to do and, uh, and does it for me. And uh, stores the uh, metrics, stores the points in this, this system that we built um, called Boffin. Um, it's basically a metrics platform that also, that also allows you to do visualizations and dashboards and things like that. Uh, anyone can deploy their own version. Uh, you go onto the Boffin website, go to, um, go to deploy, and you deploy your own version on Heroku, and it's, it all works pre pretty well. Uh, so yeah, stores them as JSON, which is, there's a terrible screenshot on JSON. Um, <laughs> And there's a screenshot of some uh, of uh, the achievement points metrics, and there is a dashboard that I built with the, his school achievement points, his behaviour points, and his total points. And I did this last year. Um, oh, and also um, got email email alerts. So if you get some merit points at school, get an email <coughs> email alert and get an email alert for behaviour points as well. So that that all works fine. Um, and I was going to say something else about that, but I've. Uh, uh, yeah, so this, this was something I did last year when, um, when he was in reception class. And uh, it's all plugged away nicely. Uh, and then year one came. And uh, they're supposed to take school a bit more seriously, apparently. And uh, one, one thing he said to me, uh, I said, how's, how's it going in year one a couple of, couple of weeks in? And he said, it's all right. There's no toys, though. They don't let you play. Like, yeah, mate, that's what school is. <laughs> so... So yeah, he didn't, as far as I say, he didn't like year one very well, very much. Um, he racked at 29 behaviour points in, in a couple of weeks. And it wasn't like, he's it, not like Dennis the Menace or anything. This wasn't, it's things like, as you saw before, rolling around on the carpet and 
and humming. It's, it's, it's silly things, the sort of things that five-year-olds do, but um, whether or not we agreed with the way that the behaviour point system was being applied at school, <clears throat> we needed to help him. and we wanted, we wanted him to get on well at school and, and get on well with his teacher and not, not be a pain. So <clears throat> first kind of thing that came to mind was something like this, a, a reward chart. And we thought we'd give him an achievement point at home for, uh, for a good day at school, you get a behaviour point for a bad day, and also just points for, for, for general good behaviour at home, helping out and tidying his room and things like that. And if you've got a certain amount of points by the end of November, he could have a big party with all his, uh, all his friends for his birthday. Um, problem with star charts is they are messy. And you know they, you have to blue tap them to the wall. They fill up. You have to get a new one. And I've got another. I've got two kids, and it's 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 just an extra thing to think about. And to be honest, I don't do, deal too well with meat space. I'm I'm much happier messing around with tech. So this gave me a great excuse to use an Amazon dash button. So if you don't know what Amazon dash buttons are, they're buttons that Amazon provide. You pay like 4.99 for them, um, and you get 4.99 back. When you, when you actually use them. So here's an aerial one. So when you run out of washing, washing tablets, you press the button, and you get next day, you have some man knocks on the door, and you see some tablets. Uh, and then you get your 4.99 back for that. And you can get them for washing powder, yeah, as I said before, cat food, razors, and Play-Doh. Seriously, does anyone get through that much Play-Doh? I, I, I just don't know. I, I know it's supposed, to be, uh, it's, it's supposed to not be reusable, but... Yeah, I, I don't know anyone who uses that much. You get one set and then it all goes dry and then you put it, put it in the loft. Um, but anyway, I've seen other people hack um, Amazon Dash buttons before so, and they'd only just come out in the, UK, in the UK and I was very excited. I was like, I can give this a go. So I could have two buttons to log metrics in, in Boffin, as I mentioned before, in a similar way to how I log the school's points. So I have my shopping list. I got a Raspberry Pi, got two Amazon Dash buttons. I installed Node.js on uh, the Raspberry Pi. I installed this, um, this library libpcap, um, which basically monitors network traffic. And then there's a, a Node.js library called Node-button. Node I tried the Ruby one, because Ruby's where I'm most comfortable, but the Ruby one didn't quite work as expected. And uh, Node-button was really well documented and, and supported, so I started using that. And I set up, the, set up my buttons and the Amazon app. Uh, there's more detail in my blog post. Oh, well, there's, there's, some, there's some gotchas, but it's all, it's all documented in my blog post, so uh, I won't go into too much detail. So the first thing you do is uh, this, um, this node library comes with a, comes with a, a script that you, that you run on your Raspberry Pi, and it watches for network traffic. And what, the way the buttons work, because they've all, they're, they're tiny little buttons, they're connected to, to your Wi-Fi network with, uh, with an AA battery in them. And they, they're off for most of the time. They only ever switch on when you press the button. They switch on, they connect to the network, and they, they, send, they, send, um, they send a notification to Amazon. So uh, what we wanted to do was get in the way of that and stop it sending anything to Amazon and, um, and do the thing that I wanted it to. So what it, what it does, it, li it listens to network traffic and just gives you the, the manufacturer and the MAC address. And the MAC address is what we want. So if it's Amazon Technologies, Inc., it, and you've just pressed the button, you know it's just appeared on the network, it's pretty, pretty sure it's going to be those. So I pressed the, the first button for the behavior points, got the MAC address for the, that one, got the MAC address for the other one, and then put some stickers on. 
<laughs> took a picture of him with a smiley face, took a picture of him with a frowny face. And then uh, I, the next thing to do was to write a script to test it out. So this is very simple Node.js script. Got the, the, Mac, the MAC address will, uh, for both of those will go there. Um, and then when it's, de when it's detected, if, it's, if the ID is the, the naughty one, it just logs a message to the console and if it, vice versa. So this, the next step was getting it into, into Boffin. So wrote, um, wrote another uh, method here, um, a JS method. That basically just get, uh, creates, I won't go into too much detail, but that, that just creates a, uh, creates a, a metric or, or updates a metric in, uh, in Boffin. Uh, so it's just a case of putting those together. So that method was called post point. It just, it just, it just uh, accepts a, what does it accept? Just a metric. So it just basically just adds one to the number of metrics. So it'll post either behavior points or achievement points. Uh, and then the next thing to do was to get it to start on boot. Um, there's, I looked through various different ways of doing this. I've done, done it in various different ways before working in Linux. But this is the simplest way to do it on the Raspberry Pi is just add that line to uh, et cetera, RC local. It just goes to the right directory, runs the script, outputs to a log, and then that, that ampersand at the end just spawns a new process so it doesn't just, just stick. So it will just boot back into your, into your normal Linux. Um, so yeah, it was, there were better ways to do this, cleaner ways, I'm sure Sam will, uh, Sam will know. But this is quick and dirty, and it, it suited, my, suited my purposes. Um, so I could now add my new metrics to my new dashboard. And I could go on, go on to my dashboard and look, and look at it on my, on, my, on my desktop. But I wanted to do this a little bit better. I've got a Raspberry Pi, but all it's doing is just posting stuff to, um, to an API. And it's Raspberry Pi free, so it could, it's perfectly capable of doing much more. So I thought, well, I'll, um, I'll get it to share the dashboard. And a couple of uh, LXD settings here to stop it from blanking. So it acts like, a, like, like the screens in there. Uh, it doesn't turn off. Um, and it loads the it loads loads the the dashboard straight straight off, boots into it, and then I got one of these. Uh, I was looking for screens. I thought I, I expected them to cost at least fifty quid, but yeah, this is this is brilliant. It's uh, yeah a five inch touch touch screen uh, for Raspberry Pi, and it's reduced from seven thousand pounds to twenty six ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know where they get it on some algorithm somewhere. So, um, yeah, thanks, China. Uh, and there we have it. So we had the, we've got this in the kitchen now. And um, he, he loves coming home um, and pre pressing the buttons. He's not so keen on pressing that one for some reason. Um, but he, he, really, he really engaged with it. And I don't know if it's correlation or causation, but he, uh, he actually improved quite, quite a bit. And I guess the question you want to, that you want answering is, did he get his party? And yes, he, and yes, he did. Um, uh, yeah, with a, with a shonky, a shonky Mickey Mouse uh, costume. <laughs> I mean, it'll always, it'll always be, uh, it'll always be cheeky, but uh, I wouldn't have him any, any other way. Uh, so yes, that's um, that, that's me. Uh, there's a link to link to the code and to this presentation here, uh, and there's also a link to that blog post because you're not going to be able to write that down. And I'm at Petholio on Twitter, um, and I'll pass you over now to Sam. Uh, 
Hello, I know what you're thinking. Why is that man dressed like he's listening for Doctor Who? Uh, I don't have an adequate answer to that question, but I'm going to distract you with a story about gardens, renewable energy, and HTTP. Uh, going on about three years ago, we bought a house with a garden. I never had a garden before. Uh, it turns out gardening is amazing fun. Uh, if I've spoken to you at all in the last two years, I've almost certainly bored you to tears about my garden. Uh, uh, so, here's a picture of the garden from June. That's mostly me showing off. Uh, it turns out gardening requires an awful lot of equipment, unless you really want to annoy your girlfriend by filling the kitchen with shovels and things, you need a shed. It's my shed. We put this up in the spring of 2014. It's got a lawnmower and a chainsaw and a load of pots outside and sort of shed stuff. Uh, the observant viewer may notice something on the roof, apart from the IKEA tray. There is a solar panel. Uh, this used to belong to my mate Steve, uh, but it's been languishing in his flat for ages. He offered me to sell it to me uh, and a regulator and a battery for a knockdown price. Uh, I snapped it up. So the first lesson is, have a mate who wants to get rid of a solar panel. Uh, didn't come with any fixings, uh, just a bunch of holes in the bottom of the thing, so I lashed this together with some straps and some uh, bits of old pipe and some roofing bolts and some Sugru, because Sugru fixes everything. Uh, so inside the shed, I uh, connected the regulator and the battery, and I don't have a picture of the battery because it's down the bottom. Uh, and I hooked it all up, and it was a sunny day, and the shed faces south, and I was gathering free energy. And it's very exciting. The lights came on. It was, this is amazing. Uh, Steve also chucked in a couple of these things. This has a 5-volt um, USB out on it. So the first thing I plugged in was radio. Now, this may seem like a ludicrous feat of over-engineering purely so I can listen to the test cricket while I'm gardening. Uh, strap yourselves in because it's going to get a hell of a lot worse. So, <laughs> so what else can I do with this free energy apart from listening to the solar power Jeffrey Boycott? Uh, I thought it might be nice to run some lights down the shed. So I got hold of some cheapo 12 volt lights off eBay, uh, hooked them up, and, switched, and, and the lights came on. Uh, and that was it's amazing, right? Uh, but I've still got some uh, spare 5 volt USB connections. What else do we know? that runs on five volts USB. Raspberry Pi, of course. This is a Pi 3, uh, which has the built-in Wi-Fi, which is kind of useful. So I put Raspbian on there, and I got a modern Ruby running on there. Got it on my home network, and I could get a shell on my shed, uh, which I, 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 just me, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, so then, I, you know, because of, the way my mind works, let's see if we can switch the lights on with the Pi. So I got hold of this uh, 12 volt relay and I connected the lights here. This is all very, very highly safety approved connections and it didn't involve me just cutting things with a Stanley knife. Um, but then I found out this thing needs five volts to throw the switches and the puny Pi will only give us 3.3 volts. So the next lesson is sometimes you need more grunt. Of course, this gave me an excuse to play with an Arduino. Now, I'd never, I'd never done any Arduino coding before, uh, and I was a bit intimidated. Turns out, however, that if you did some C 20 years ago, it's uh, surprisingly easy. This is the code. It, this is dead, dead easy, right? We look at four input pins, we look at four output pins, uh, and we basically run a loop. So when pin four goes high from the pi, it throws pin eight high on the out Arduino output, and the, re the relay goes clunk, and 
the light comes on. So that's quite nice. This code is all on GitHub. Of course, there's not a lot of it. So don't be frightened of Arduinos. So what about back on the Pi end of this? So there is a Ruby gem called Pi Piper, which controls the I.O. pins. Uh, and it requires root privileges, because Pi is a, that's the way the pins work. But apart from that, it's very easy to use. However, be aware, the physical pin numbers on your Raspberry Pi bear not the slightest relation to the logical numbers. And, and I'm sure there are good historical reasons for this, but I, I don't want to care. And without the treasure map provided by these wonderful people, I would have been utterly lost. If you're doing any Pi work, any kind of hardware, I cannot recommend this enough. It's, it's brilliant for all versions of Pi right up to Pi Zero. Uh, so what about an API? Because eventually everything gets an API. So I broke out my favorite Ruby web framework, uh, Sinatra, and lashed together a very simple API. It has one endpoint, basically, that. Because, you know, why not, right? So, but then I came up against the thorny issue of which HTTP verb to use. So my, I, my first naive thought was to do a get. But of course, no, because get is for reading the state of a resource. Maybe a post, like this. No, that's for creating a resource. Maybe a put. No, that's for updating a resource. No, after extensive discussions with James and Jenny, he used to sit on the technical architecture group of the World Wide Web Consortium. We decided that the correct approach, where we're actually changing the state of a part of a resource, is a patch. And let's face it, if we're not going to do this properly, the whole thing is rendered ridiculous, not to say pointless. <laughs> so the lesson here, learn to love the HTTP verbs, and also waste people's time. So. <laughs> This, of course, is still not entirely correct because this is interacting with a real thing in the real world. Uh, I think this should be done asynchronously via a scheduler. Thanks to James for that joke. Uh, <laughs> and then there should be a different endpoint which reports back on the state of the light. Uh, but in practice, it's, it works fine. Uh, for, you know, it's, it, it serves its purpose. So we can send a get, of course, and we get the state of the light. We send that and it tells us the light is on. Except, what are we actually getting back here? We're asking the server for the light itself, and it sends back a 200, and it says, this is the light, but of course it's not. It's sending back a representation of the state of the light, and it can't even be sure about that. Uh, maybe it should send back a 303, see other, with a URI for the light, but this is a light in my shed, it doesn't have a URI. This rabbit hole <laughs> is the HTTP range 14 problem. I don't have time to go into this now, but I'll be happy to have opinions if you come and find me afterwards, as I'm sure Jenny and James will. Um, so what does this all look like when it's all put together? So if you're on my, on my home network and you point your web browser at the address of the Pi, you'll see this. And you can click the switches and you can turn the lights on and off and it's all amazing. However, there's a horrendous flaw in all of this. If I don't have my phone down at the shed, then short of pulling wires out, I have no way of controlling the lights. <laughs> the most important lesson of all, do some actual switches. <laughs> what else might I do with this? So, I got a few ideas. Uh, I discovered this API, which takes a lat and a long, and it tells you the exact time of sunset and sunrise at your location. And I thought I could use this to have the lights come on as the sun goes down. Uh, it was pointed out to me that you can buy lights from IKEA, solar-powered lights, that will turn on when it gets dark. 
but I can't help feeling that that completely misses the point. <laughs> As mentioned previously, I should really make this all happen asynchronously, but that's unlikely ever to actually transpire. Uh, I've also bought an inverter, so now I can charge the batteries for the cordless drill, which is actually a useful thing. Uh, <coughs> right, you can find out more about this and my other ludicrous side projects at pikesy.org. You can follow me on Twitter, and you can find out in real time what nonsense I'm working on. I'm happy to answer any questions except for why did I do this and why am I dressed like an Egyptologist. Thank you. Okay, time for questions. Why did you do this? <laughs> I'm not. Well, I'd like to ask whether you follow anybody who does anything similar, who inspires you to create things like this. It's all... It, it, it's all a big. It's all one big, one big mess of mess of people. <laughs> There's not one one specific person as such that I can think of. Where do you find this mess of people? Twitter. Yeah, Twitter mainly. A lot of it's this comes from just <clears throat> scratching an itch, right? Mm. I think, oh, I wonder if I can do that. And this would be like falling asleep or I wake up. Oh, why am I going to do that? Like, and, I, and then I think, and then you know, before I know it, it's all on GitHub and it's all you know, it's got <laughs> tests and it's and it's, and I'm talking about it here, right? It's so many stupid side projects that came from, so I'll, you know, I'm chatting with James in the kitchen about something, and suddenly, ooh, when if I could do that? Well, the Chris machine's got an API as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so, well, not a lot of people know that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's no, there's, I, I, I hope there aren't a large number of people wasting their time like this, <laughs> because there are real problems in the world that need solving. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, David from GDS. Um, I, I love it all. I think it's all fa fantastic, and you're applying your skills to exciting things. Um, a slightly more serious question about uh, the dashboards, and like you guys, I know have uh, both buttons in your in your office, and we have them in our office, showing web stats and what's going on on our websites and stuff. And like the experience I have is, you know, you spend all this time getting a dashboard up, and it's wonderful, and then you never ever look at it again. <laughs> and certainly in our office this week, we've got a, a YouTube video of, of a Christmas fire and a dog running around, and that's got more attention than our <laughs> dashboard, you know, of our, how a website's doing. Have you got any thoughts about dashboards, you know, whether they are truly valuable, examples when they've been extremely valuable, or, or ideas to make them more you know, attentive? I think a lot, a, a lot of the thing about, about, about having a dashboard, it's not necessarily about the dashboard itself, it's about the process that leads you up to having the dashboard. Uh, it's about thinking about where your where where your data, where where this data is, what what performance indicators you actually need to, need to need to collect, and and thinking about it thinking about it that way, and it can it can open up more exciting things. We worked on a project with Sport England actually, um, and that uh, we're building building them a dashboard, and that's really got them thinking about their internal data architecture and, and where their where their data is, and 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 what how they can make better use of it. So yeah, it may be that um, we actually find the dashboards quite useful for um, for board reports um, more than anything. They are they are they are sometimes useful to useful to glance at, but they really, the board I find them absolutely invaluable. Um, but then, then again, it's a screen grab of the of the uh, of the dashboard in the in the board pack. But yeah, they find it really useful. I I was going to ask another question, which was some of the words you used. I might have to Google after because I've no idea what they are. Um, Go could somebody like me do what you've done? Yeah. yeah. Uh, pro probably not to, <laughs> probably not to, uh, probably not to such <laughs> anal degrees, 
But I have just bought my uh, my brother, who is not in any way technical. I bought him a BBC Microbit um, kit for uh, for Christmas. So, you know, you can certainly you can certainly start. There's 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 easy ways there's easy ways into this. Yeah, you could buy a solar panel and stick it on the roof of your shed and just have lights with switches, and that would all work absolutely fine. Not <laughs> <laughs> right? All the bit in between is just <coughs> me being obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but could it, could it be used as a way of teaching people? Because you're, what you're doing here is you're solving real-world problems, aren't you? And finding solutions, well, maybe not real-world problems, but <laughs> your own problems. Um, could it be used, do you think, to, to teach? I, cer I was things like this I certainly find useful because I've learned a bunch of new technology that I hadn't played with before. Yeah. And I had an actual problem to solve, an actual problem. A, you know, <laughs> a, at least a golden one. Right, so I learned how to do. You know, I built, I built a, a clock recently with some NeoPixels, and for that I had to learn a lot of the, like D3 and stuff that I'd never done before. Suddenly, I had a reason to do it. Right, so I find it very useful for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but as a teaching tool, more generally, I hope people would learn lessons from watching what I've done. Yes, and possibly do something else. Um, I was just going to try and answer uh, that question um, because based on what Stuart did, I then did a similar thing in my house where we're, we're using a dash button to log uh, information. Um, and at the weekend, I'm going along to a, uh, a Raspberry Jam event uh, in the town, which is 120 kids and parents coming along to see people building things with technology. And so I'll be showing that there, hooked up to a Lego robot. I'll have some of the Raspberry Pi stuff there as well. And just showing kids that this stuff can be done that technology is available to them and they can make things with it. Um, and they don't have to just use things for what they were designed for, um, I think is a, is a great lesson. So, yeah, I don't know if it'll work. We'll find out. Um, so it kind of looks like you've interneted things you've shared. How many other things in your house and your life have you wired up? <laughs> uh, I, I did... Um recently bought a, a clock with a Pi Zero and some um, NeoPixel LED rings. That has an API on it. Uh, that's, once again, horrendously over-engineered. It, it doesn't need it, but it's just, you know, I could, so I did. Um, what else? I, you'd have to look on my, if you look on my website, there's a whole list of projects with all kinds of nonsense. Can anybody think of anything I've done that I've told you about? Oh, of course, yes. So, right, I have type 1 diabetes. And, thank you, Jane. Uh, so I... <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. I slip my mind, right? Um, if I collapse, give me sugar. Um, and so for that, I built a Rails app. So there's this essentially, and that has a, a JSON API. I essentially have an API on my pancreas now. Right? I record uh, my blood glucose, whatever, how many times a day, and I record all of my medication on that. So that's kind of Internet of Pancreas's thing. Okay, so my follow-up question got way, way more serious. Um, so are they all powered by your phone? And what happens if you go into your shed without your phone? But then I'm, I'm in stuck because I can't switch the lights off. Uh, I mean, they're not all powered. The phone is, is the client for all of these things. They're all, on, they're all in Heroku or whatever, or, or you know, in the shed. Um, but yeah, but the, you know, the shed one I can control from the laptop in the house, right? It's, it's, it's all, everything has an API, right? This is the way, and they all have sensibly constructed APIs. And it's, this is how to do Internet of Things correctly, right? Because it's open and it's, you know, I'm not tied into someone else's Philips. cloud. Oh. Well, yeah, Philips Hue, that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, I have some other ideas about things I could put APIs onto, but you have to follow me on Twitter to find out what they are. <laughs>
Do you know if your internet of sheds has been involved in uh, attacks on <laughs> <They're attacking laughs> the infrastructure <laughs> of the internet? Pretty sure it hasn't, because uh, you can only get to it uh, when you're on my home network. I did, I did expose it briefly through the firewall, but that didn't seem to be a lot of point. <laughs> <laughs> Issues with you taking something that's um, been produced for a particular reason, like the the button to order Ariel, and no. stopping it from feeding through to the shop. No, because yeah, I mean Amazon are aware of it. They don't like. You. I don't think they I don't think they they would support it, but they can't stop you. Uh, there's no there's no legal reason that they can stop you. They do do uh, an Internet of Things button, which is supposedly uh, designed for that, but it costs four times. Four times as much, uh, but I've actually I have actually spoken to someone from Amazon. Someone from Amazon was in the office the other week, and I was talking to him about it, and didn't see any issue, so it's fine. So this is to uh, both of you. Um, so you used an Amazon button and you used a Pi and an Arduino. Did you consider any other options rather than those things, or were um, they just the things that were around that you used? I think for anything like this, my first thought would be well. So the the existence of the Pi has enabled these things to be really easy, right? So yeah, the first thing I think was, I thought was, I need to get a Pi. I, is the, I'm not sure there's anything that even is a sensible alternative. Yeah. For 30 quid. There are loads, but they're not very you know, well publicized as a Pi. So. so yeah, I would default to the Pi because I know it and it's, it's Linux and I'm very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And with the Amazon buttons, I guess I, I guess I could solder my own buttons, but you know, I've got that of two. I've got time. <laughs> and I'm also aware that the Arduino in that is a massive piece of. I could do that with transistors, but the Arduino is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we thank Summer Stu, just to let you know, next week we have our sound artist in residence ho uh, hosting a Christmas special here. So hopefully you can come and join us. Uh, next week, and can we give Sam and Stu a big round of applause? You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute. <laughs>